Yeah, and for some reason you think that would take him out of the drafting the running back early, at least Ezekiel Elliott, but that uh, that talk still has some traction there. So that could be uh, – who knows what Dallas is going to do. I mean, we never, we never really know. So hopefully, hopefully it's not good, right, Nick? Um, but um, I do think you're going to see them make moves to help them win now this year because I think they could feel like they have one good run left in Romo uh, before he gets hurt again. So I think, I think they're going to do what they can to uh, make this team successful this year. Um, what are your thoughts on Nate Washington to the Patriots? I know that it's kind of an under the radar signing, but you know, he, he was fairly decent last year. Uh, I mean, lined up across the field from Mr. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and he is, um, you know, uh, not not the biggest receiver in the world, but just a veteran guy that knows how to get open. That's kind of an under-the-radar under move, but I don't think there's any reason to think he can't do what Brandon LaFell did there a couple years ago, right? Oh, I agree completely. Uh, Nate Washington was second on the te- uh, Texans last year with uh, 47 catches, 658 yards, and four touchdowns. And now with the upgraded quarterback playing with Tom Brady, I would say 800 yards is probably his floor, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I mean, he's a little bit older on the older side, but, you know, he also has playoff experience. So there's – I don't think Brady's going to have any any trouble trusting this guy. I mean, he's he's just a baller. He's not a guy that jumps off the page, but he he gets the job done. I mean, maybe he's, you know, like – maybe this is like a, his Derek Mason run with Baltimore, like ba- uh, Mason did with Baltimore. Maybe that's that's his little run there. But, uh, yeah, that, that's an intriguing signing. Uh, New England also signed another pass catcher as if they don't have enough. Uh, they brought in a guy with size, six foot seven, Martellus Bennett. They traded for him actually. Uh, what do you think? I mean, everybody's saying how what an awesome tandem this is, but is this going to hurt Gronk's production maybe a little, especially in the red zone? Maybe a little bit, but we've seen Gronk be productive with a good tight end lined up next to him when Aaron Hernandez was still a thing. So it's it's not like. It's not like we haven't seen Gronk have talented players with him before, and he still produces. So I, I think as always, health is the biggest issue with Gronk. Yeah, and I, you know, I guess I would go as far as to say it is that it maybe helps him. I mean, because you, when you have a six foot seven guy on the other side of the field in the red zone, uh, you better make sure you know that he's covered, and and then you still have to, you know continue to flow bodies uh, Gronk's way, too. So, geez, New England is setting themselves up very, very well this year. Um, I, they did they did add Donald Brown, too, Nick. So, I mean, they're, 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 they're stacked. <laughs> um, I think they'll still draft a running back. But uh, oh, watch Donald Brown just go off there. Um, ooh, it's time for the Dynasty Dilemma. Um, we just didn't mess around this week. I almost... I almost said a really bad swear word there, but we didn't mess around this week um, as we just went for it. And I've been thinking about this ever since I did my first mock when I saw these guys both in the top ten. Um, and it's uh, DeAndre Hopkins and versus Allen Robinson. Nick had the chance to go first, so he will uh, choose choose so he chose Robinson, so he will go first. But first, I got to say, all they ever wanted ever in life is to own DeAndre Hopkins in a dynasty. And I'm going to start it this year with a bunch of uh, experts on Twitter, and I have the number two overall pick. And I'm just like, sweet. I, I, I have no problem taking Hopkins over, you know, who's left between OGB, OGB and 
um, OBJ and Julio. But guess what? The guy who has the number one pick has already made it known that he's going to take Hopkins. <laughs> so uh, I might be Hopkins with one more year. Well, we'll see. There's some trades out going floating around out there. But anyway, it is Dynasty Dilemma time, so let's play the long clip. Now, I admit I chose the underdog. I think most people would probably choose DeAndre Hopkins, and why wouldn't you? He had more receptions and yards last year. He's got a longer track record of success. He's got an awesome Twitter handle, Nuke the Bomb. And, of course, he's, you know, <laughs> so, you know, of course he's the favorite. But his quarterback situation just really scares me, and I know he's produced with subpar quarterbacks before. But last year, Houston's passers combined for over 4,000 yards, 29 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. Now, Brock Osweiler only played in eight games, but if you double his stats to compensate, he still was under 4,000 yards and only threw 20 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. And that was with a far better supporting pass than he's going to have in Houston. And the Texans now have a running back in Lamar Miller who will allow them to run the ball more consistently than they've been able to in the recent past. Plus, Hopkins is slightly older, with one more NFL season of wear and tear on his body. Now, Allen Robinson, who, for all you height lovers, is six foot three and a solid 220 pounds, he had a breakout year in year two, and not coincidentally, so did his second-year quarterback, Blake Bortles. 80 catches, 1,400 yards, NFL leading 14 touchdowns, and 17 and a half yards per catch. That's good for sixth in the league. Now, we already saw how Hopkins' new quarterback doesn't compare favorably to the guys he's replacing. Brian Hoyer and company. But how would uh, Brock Osweiler's extrapolated full season numbers compare to Blake Bortles? Much worse. Remember, under 4,000 yards, 20 touchdowns for Osweiler. Bortles last year, 4,400 yards and 35 scores. And, of course, Houston's superior defense means there's going to be less shootouts uh, available for Hopkins to put up big numbers in. Now, don't get me wrong. Both of these guys are top-flight wide receivers, no-brainer weekly must-starts, probably even in a 16 league. But I just feel that Robinson's situation gives him a slight edge. Okay. <clears throat> we'll see how slight that edge is. Uh, Hopkins, I mean, if you know me, you know I love him. The guy is just simply electrifying. His shake and bake has not only burned many DBs, but it's left them on their butts. And if you don't know what I'm talking about or haven't ever had the pleasure, but and I'm sorry that it's your Washington Redskins, Nick, but just – just YouTube or even just Google search DeAndre Hopkins versus D'Angelo Hall and then click the video tab and you'll see what he <laughs> did to D'Angelo Hall in practice. I mean, I, I, I don't, oh, wow. Just, just watch it and you'll know what I mean. Uh, Shirt Robinson is good, but he's also always had a good quarterback playing with him, even in college. Now, the same GMs that considered Hopkins College, Tosh Boyd, to be overrated as he went undrafted, will probably jump all over the potential of a Christian Hackenberg, who was A-Rob's QB the last season at Penn State. And he is also, obviously, in this year's draft. Uh, Now, A-Rob has an emerging quarterback in Blake Bortles. Meanwhile, Nuke has continued to make real stats with literally trash at quarterback in Houston. 
Um, and from what Nick says, it sounds like it's going to continue to be that way. But he still makes the stats. Hopkins is so well-respected. He has 410 targets in his three-year career. And two of those seasons, he was the wide receiver, too, behind Andre Johnson. To put that in perspective, Randy Moss saw 390 targets in his first three seasons. And a true number one, A.J. Green, saw 457 in the same amount of time. Des Bryant accumulated 400 targets in his first three seasons as a starter. That was after 50, or season. That was after 73 targets in 12 games as a rookie. Uh, he also had three, just 314 in his first three seasons with two of those as a wide receiver. One. So basically, he's 100 less targets than Hopkins with one with with one more year as a wide receiver. One. Hopkins only had 91 targets as a rookie as a concussion limited his snaps. But he bounced back to have 192 targets as a wide receiver one in 2015. Now, people think Hopkins' production will be affected if Houston adds a true number two wide receiver. I think it may hinder him from repeating his 111 receptions for a season uh, or so, but it might that might only be temporary as he could assume more of a possession receiver role and probably light the world and the record books. Houston almost lost almost half of the season due to injury, half of his rookie season due to injury, but he went off last season for 80 receptions, 1,400 yards, and 14 touchdowns. Those numbers may be impossible for him to ever repeat with all the mouths to feed there in Jacksonville. He would also need 179 targets to surpass Hopkins' three-year mark, as, and he received only 151 in his first fully healthy season. Believe it or not, Robinson is actually two inches and ten pounds heavier than Hopkins. Hopkins, to me, certainly plays bigger. And even though Robinson tested better at the combines, last year, Nuke's ADP was in the second round. And now he's basically a top-five player. Uh, while Robinson was a fourth to fifth rounder last year, now he hovers as the tenth to twelfth player overall. So you can make the value argument if you added Robinson at startup last year, but he cannot sustain his current. I don't think he can sustain sustain his current value. While Hopkins will still be a first rounder next season. Nick, any rebuttal? Um, I thought. Pretty much all your points were very valid. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot of mouths to feed uh, in Jacksonville other than Alan Hearns. You know, they have the they have the tight end there. They signed from Denver last year, but I don't uh, – behind that, there's not a whole lot. I mean, Marquise Lee, is he maybe the wide receiver three? I'm not sure. Um, and also, did you call Christian Hackenberg a good quarterback? I might have to take an issue with that. <laughs> I said potential, and that was actually <laughs> when Christian Hackenberg was – a freshman, he had his best year as a as a quarterback in college, and that was that was with Allen Robinson. So that that, that was is that true. was That's much more. <laughs> um, so maybe it was because Allen Robinson. So maybe you squashed that theory. But I'm but basically what I'm saying is I'm not necessarily putting it there. I mean, you look at Tosh Boyd. I think he only got consideration because he had Watkins, Mart, uh, Martavius Bryant, and Hopkins. <laughs> I mean, that is ridiculous to consider those three were on the same team at once. So, of course, their quarterback's going to get some recognition, but he went undrafted. You know Hackenberg's going to get drafted. There's no way he does not go undrafted. There's no way he lasts to, like, the sixth round. I think someone will take him in the fifth if he lasts that long. So, people see that potential and that mold there, and that, that was kind of my argument there. So, I think people 
definitely think he's a little more talented quarterback than what these guys had to deal with in college. So let's talk about some Indianapolis Colts, Nick. Um, now I've been saying all year after all the injury concerns that, um, Andrew Luck is probably going to be, you know, everybody's consensus comeback player of the year. What do you think? Is is he a record-smashing quarterback, or is he just – I think he'll break records eventually. I don't think we can call him top five yet, I mean, with all the other quarterbacks that are still active that have won Super Bowls. But, you know, he is right there on the cusp, and I think he will be there eventually. You know, throw out last year. The injuries ruined that season. But he went 11-5 and as a starter each of his first three years. Uh, in 2014, 4,700 yards and 40 touchdowns. You know, in dynasty formats, if you can get him at any sort of discount, I would definitely do it. He's just one year away from being pretty much universally regarded as the number one dynasty quarterback. So, he's a, you know, it's tough to buy low on a guy that's still thought of so highly, but if you have any chance to do it, I would do it. Yeah, I mean, he's despite of all the injury things, like Nick said, he could throw that season away last year. I'm sure the Colts will really want to forget it, even even though they they went, I think they were better than a lot of people thought they would be after all, all they went through. But yeah, he's still, he still has it. And don't, you know, don't, obviously nobody's going to forget about him, but don't, I don't, don't discount him. I wouldn't sell him at this point because you're not going to get anything near you could, you know, next year at this time when, you know, when he's potentially a, a guy that took his team deep in the playoffs again, or maybe maybe even the Super Bowl. If, they, if this defense comes together, I think Luck, you know, even if defense comes together to be competent, I think Luck could bring this team very far. And we've seen him do it before. So, I mean, it's not like there's a lot of argument against it there. So, uh, what do we think about Mr. Dwayne Allen? That was Kobe Fleener. In the bayou now, catching passes from Drew Brees. I mean, are we going to see a target increase for Allen? Are we going to see those targets go, you know, to like a Philip Dorsett? Well, I mean, really, there's nowhere to go but up for Dwayne Allen. Uh, this re-signing was one of the most surprising moves to me in the NFL in the off- this offseason. Uh, Dwayne Allen's M.O. is that he can't stay healthy, but he did play in 26 games over the last two seasons, but his numbers have really declined. Uh, two years ago, 29 catches, 395 yards, and eight touchdowns, down to 16 catches for 109 yards and one score last year. Uh, 50 targets, and that dropped to 29 targets last year, and only 6.8 yards per reception. And, I mean, Fleener is gone, yes, but I think Indianapolis has enough talent at receiver that they can use Allen as mostly a blocker. They'll have an uptick from last year's 29 targets, but I would be surprised if he ever surpasses his career highs of 521 yards in 2012 or eight touchdowns in 2014 ever again. Uh, you know, I agree with most of that, but I, if you were going to tell me he's going to score eight touchdowns this year, I would have a hard time saying no. I mean, I wouldn't say, no, he's going to score five. I would say, well, that makes sense with the wide receiver talent they have, you know, especially if they're they're in the red zone. He, he You know, he has the size. Yeah, he's a great blocking tight end too, but he has the size to, to make room for himself. And I think that's, that's always going to be an option there for them. And there's not really, you know, Frank Gore – has caught a lot of passes over his career, but they're not going to ask him to catch a lot of screen passes, little swing passes in this offense, just because they want him to stay healthy. So without really a legit receiving running back on this team, you know, we've seen, you know, the Joseph Adai's come through this team, obviously Edron James teams, you know, guys that have really, and I know that wasn't luck, but the guys that have really been, been able to catch the ball and they don't have that there. So I, I, 
I think, you know, I mean, it's not really that going to be that hard for him to surpass 29 receptions. Um, you know, maybe the yards will be a little bit hard for him to surpass, but I still think he's a decent uh, red zone threat there. Uh, what do we think about Philip Dorsett? I, I could care less for him most of the year last year, and then I, I was able to pick him up in one of my leagues because somebody somebody dropped him after he got hurt. Um, what, what do you think? How does he fit into this offense, Nick? Well, as a rookie last year, 18 catches, 225 yards, and one score. That was less catches than Griff Whalen had. Uh, but at 5'10", 185 pounds, he's blazing fast, 4'3", 340. I think he's going to have a lot bigger role now that Andre Johnson's gone, as uh, Andre Johnson did play about two-thirds of the snaps last year in Indy. Uh, Dorsett did have the broken leg in the middle of the season, but did come back at the end of the year to play the last few games, uh, including a career-high four catches in their last game. You know, unless injuries strike either Moncrief or Hilton, I think uh, Dorsett likely is going to be a boomer bust type of fantasy play, kind of a poor man's Deshaun Jackson for this year anyway. Yeah, I mean, they seem to be pretty dead set on uh, Moncrief there, obviously, and the dynasty community is responding. I mean, he is going late second, early third, almost at every mock I do. And, he, you know, he does – he doesn't maybe look like it, but he does have – the size to play, you know, that outside role. And when, you know, you're behind one of the better, smaller wide receivers in the league and, and T.Y. Hilton, you know you're not going to – you're going to have to do a lot to get him – get snaps from him. But that being said, you know, the fullback is non-existent now in the NFL, so maybe maybe, maybe he does see – obviously he's going to see a snap increase. And, you know, we'll see how he – how his legs are, you know, when he's folding back from that broken leg. But see what kind of – speed he has but I, I certainly think he has a role and maybe it's uh you know maybe it's only 40 receptions but maybe he's he finds that end zone five or six times i would not be surprised to see that at all uh he just yeah you know, like i said coming off coming off a leg injury we don't exactly know what how strong he's going to be but uh we'll see we'll see what he can get but i i he's a player that i'm certainly going to keep my eye on and, and be intrigued by there so um, what do we think about uh, flipping over to the other side of the ball? Kit, you know, Henry Anderson is another guy that got hurt last year, but he was absolutely devastating for this team last year before he did get hurt. Can he can he reprise that role, Nick? What do you think? I think so eventually, yeah. He was a third-round steal from Stanford. He got off to a great start as a rookie, 25 tackles and one sack in his first five games. Uh, cooled off a little bit after that, as many rookies do, and then the torn ACL in November. Uh, they don't expect him to be ready for training camp. They don't know if he's going to be ready for the start of the season either, but he is only going to be 25 years old in August. And so if I don't need a weekly starter immediately, I would definitely try to add this guy as a stash. Um, yeah, and if you... There's no reason not to because he plays on this defense, and they're not going to go out and they obviously not going to go out and draft anybody on defense. They just they never do, and not certainly not in the first two or three rounds. So because he's on this defense, when he's healthy, he's going to have opportunity, and he is just a quality player. And I know uh, Bruce Kimbrell here on staff is super super high on him, and, and with good cause. And with that being on that being on that squad where there's just such a lack of defensive talent. I, I don't know, know why you would not hold on to this guy or try to try to do what you can to get him. Just be, if you're lacking, you know, or even if you have a guy that you're not quite sure how he's going to turn the corner at this point in time of his career and you could pull the trigger for for Anderson and maybe like a later round pick, I would certainly do that. 
Uh, what about biggest draft needs, Nick? Um, like I said, they don't like to draft a defense, but uh, wh- what do you think? Could this be the year they do it? Early? Uh, maybe, but, you know, as many high picks as India has invested in the skill positions on offense, I think they would have to try to help solidify that offensive line a little bit. Uh, Jim Ursay said they want maybe a guard or a center. A right tackle wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, you know, pass rusher and secondary should also be addressed. You know what? Nobody expected them to take a wide receiver in round one last year, so if we expect <laughs> the unexpected, maybe they draft Ezekiel Elliott. Who knows? <laughs> uh, and I, I honestly, I mean, I know that that's not the way they should go, but it, that's not a bad pick either. I mean, Ryan Turbin is not exactly anybody. Um, and, uh, Josh Robinson, is he still there? Is he still a thing? I think he's on their practice squad. But um, yeah, if they if they did that, I would not be surprised. In fact, I would be, you know, I I think some dynasty owners would certainly be disappointed because he would be blocked. But what for a year? I mean, come on, <laughs> Frank Gore is ninety seven years old. I mean, he's not gonna he's not gonna be on that team, especially if they win the Super Bowl. He's not gonna be on that team a year from now or two years from now. I don't, yeah. I'm not too worried about that. So that I wouldn't mind that for a pick. I think, even though I think Anderson has a role in this defense, if they can get any kind of pass rusher or if they think there's a great pass rusher that flips to them like a, a Shaq Lawson or Emmanuel Ogba, I think they have to do that. They need to get some power in that interior. Um, they have bodies on the secondary, but not, not anybody that's going to be, you know, no, not a wow factor. So if they, you know, they have a chance to add a guy like a Darian Thompson in the second or a, or a Javon Kirst who can step up in, in the box and, and cover slot receivers and make tackles. Well, I think they should do that as well. Um, the center class is, I think, okay, okay depth wise. So maybe they can grab one of those guys a little bit later on too. Um, Time for dynasty trade analysis, Nick. Um, let's just get into it since Sharon was going to be calling here in about 10. Um, this is some big ones here. Jarvis Landry, this one is a small one, just Jarvis Landry for Jamal Charles. What do you think? Well, I'm assuming it's PPR scoring, and if so, I love the side that picks up Jarvis Landry. You get a young, talented wide receiver whose team loves to just throw him the ball for an aging running back coming off an ACL injury. Yeah, I'll take that every time. Mm-hmm. Ah, sorry, caught me mid-drink there. Um, talk longer. Jeez. Uh, but, um, I... It's so hard for me as a guy who doesn't really own, uh, like, a superstar running back to to consider this, but um, I mean, I would love to get a guy like a Jamal Charles, but I, I there's not a lot of my dynasty teams that are ready to uh, to make a run. You know, I, I'm I'm working at it, I, I'm building it, and uh, you only really need those guys when you're making a run. So if you can, you know, sacrifice a guy like Jamal Charles Charles for a guy that's going to get you 100 receptions, I I'm certainly okay with that. Uh, what do you think about uh, Matt Jones, Jeremy Macklin? And 2.18 for John Brown, Brashard Perryman, and 3.19. I think it's pretty even. So, um, you know, I guess the side that picked up Matt Jones probably needed a running back. He's probably as good a flyer as any, uh, provided the Redskins don't draft another running back, which isn't completely out of the question. But, uh, you know, right now he's in line to be the starter there. Jeremy Macklin's a pretty proven talent there. Plus you're getting a second-round pick in exchange for the third-round pick. And, you know, we don't know what Rashard Perryman's going to bring yet, But uh, so really John Brown is the only proven 
uh, commodity that you're giving up in that trade. So I'll pick, I'll go with the side that picked up Jones Macklin in a second. I mean, I know we talked a little bit about him. But has your has your theories changed at all on Jones? I mean, do you think you think he's like a top ten type of player? Can he be eventually? Possibly. I, for this year, I think that he has a pretty good chance just because there's not really a lot of talent around him. So he's he's de facto uh, lead back there in Washington. So anytime you're not in a running back by committee, you have a chance to be a top 10 by back. And yet I can get nobody to bite on Chris Thompson. I've been trying to offer Chris Thompson to everybody that owns uh, Matt Jones, but it's just not happening. Um, yeah, you're right. You know, the, the main proven commodity in this John Brown, especially with, with a big future, you know, Macklin's got a couple of years left. He's not, not necessarily old by any means. I'm sure he's probably like on 28 mark. But uh, uh, with aging receivers and Michael, you know, the aging Fitzgerald and uh, Michael Floyd, a free agent next year, John Brown could be in a very big position to be, you know, somewhere between Antonio Brown and T.Y. Hilton, I think. That's certainly a possibility. I would probably lean a little more towards the Hilton side of that conversation. But uh, yeah, this is a, this is a fairly decent move. I mean, you're getting young wide receivers, and uh, you know you're giving up a young running back, but you, he's not necessarily proven either. So I, I like this move. Um, Carlos Williams, two point zero eight, which translates into two point zero two. Sorry to translate the last trade, but uh, Carlos Williams, two point zero two, and 3.02. Oh, excuse me. Carlos Williams for 2.02 and 3.02. What do you think? Uh, I don't think that's enough, especially when you look at the uh, the off the field problems hanging over LaShawn McCoy right now. So, you know, if he were to be suspended, Carlos Williams would be the starter there in Buffalo. Plus, you know, we saw Williams have a pretty darn good rookie season too as the number two running back. So, I would I would definitely not give up Carlos Williams for a second and a third. Yeah, I mean, I I will be shocked if McCoy is not suspended. I mean, and I'm and I'm thinking like half of the season, I would not be surprised at all. So yeah, that's not that's not nearly enough. Some people are thinking no way. I mean, whether that's video or or not, you know, or what what not, and there's been nothing going on with the court case behind scenes. It's just been stagnant. What is in question is that he assaulted a police officer. Um, so, I mean, that's that's not a situation that the NFL should or will, I believe, take lightly. So, yeah, that's not nearly enough to move Williams. Okay, so this is the big one. Oh, I don't know if you read all those emails. I read some of them, Nick. But this has been a very, uh, very uh, talked-about trade, we will say. And uh, write it down as I say it because I'm only going to say it once. Frank Gore, Jeremy Hill, Ryan Matthews, Jeff Janis, Allen Robinson, Sean Lee, and 2.09 for Doug Martin, Jamal Charles, Spencer Ware, Chuck Kendrick West, Jarvis Landry, Chandler Jones, and 6.24. All right, Nick. Connect the dots for me. What do you got? (laughs) 
Well, you know, I am a little biased because I'm not high on Doug Martin or the Kansas City Chiefs running back situation at all. I think that could be a three-headed monster that just frustrates fantasy owners next year. Um, So I definitely would have to side with the person who picked up Allen Robinson, uh, got the better end of the deal on the IDP side with Sean Lee, of course, provided Lee can stay healthy. Um, And then, you know, Frank Gore should help help you out this year. Uh, Same goes for Ryan Matthews. And, you know, Hill's a nice running back for the future. And, and can be productive this year, depending on how the split works with Giovanni Bernard. But uh, picking up Allen Robinson, I think that's definitely the coup in this trade. So I'm going to have to go with the, the, side, the first side. Mm-hmm. You know, people do like to give the IDP edge in this one to, to Sean Lee. Jones is younger, and we know Lee's struggled with health. But I think the big kicker here is giving up Jarvis Landry and getting Robinson and Jeff Janis, who a lot of dynasty owners are super psyched about. Um, I'm not necessarily on that boat, but if he, you know, if they're grooming him to be the next Jordy Nelson, I mean, that could be huge down the line. That being said, you know, Jeremy Hill's had his issues. Frank Gore and Ryan Matthews are, you know, just old and just, you know, running on fumes at this point. I like Doug Martin for the next couple of years, and you're getting, granted, the you said the Kansas City Kansas City situation could be uh, frustrating, but he's getting everybody. I mean, he's getting all three of those guys. So at least you're not, you know, at least you don't have two of them, and you you don't have the guy that's not going off. So at least I would at least expect that you would know, hopefully before these games start, who who's going to get the reps, and and maybe that's not going to be the case. But when Charles was out last year, we saw West and where it'd be very effective in the same game at the same time. So, you know, whereas, you know, it's just going to be Charles that you're starting probably week to week to start the season. I think you can summon the other two if if Charles gets hurt. So if Charles goes down again, I think you're in a good situation where you could pretty favorably and honestly start both of these guys and expect production. So I, I think you're, I think, I think this trade is a lot evener, more even than people want to give it. I think it is it is a little shaded to the IDP side, and since they're getting a higher pick and two receivers for one, but getting the three, you know, two young running backs and two guys that are obviously going to be the the breadwinners for the for this year and maybe the next couple of years, I, I think it's pretty even. I, I don't I don't really want to check check a side on this one because I think I think it's pretty even because we're People are excited about Janice, and obviously A-Rob's pretty awesome. I don't, you know, that's that's one year we've seen from A-Rob and a couple of playoff games that we've seen from Janice where, you know, the guy doesn't have a regular season touchdown. So let's not, you know, not let's not Devontae Adams him just yet. I mean, people were so excited about him <laughs> last year, to, you know, and to a fault. I mean, he had so many problems last year. So, um, But anyway, we got Miss. Sharona on the phone, so let's patch her through. Sure. Sharona, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? We can hear you just fine, yes. It's uh, Sharona from NFL Female, the Tennessee Titans fan reporter from NFL Female. Um, she also has a few other podcasts going on, and she 
host the podcast of the NFL Blitz, Zone Blitz with our good friend Sonia Greenfield. I just feel so incredibly lucky, Sharona. Last week, Sonia, this week, you. I mean, I'm like oh, an yeah. NFL female royalty. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh, so how's it going, and what, uh, why don't you tell us what's going on over at NFL Female? Well, always busy. Um, the Zone Blitz, our Tuesday night webcast is on hiatus right now. Uh, But with the draft fast approaching, we'll be coming back and doing a few draft shows. We're going to go back on hiatus again until uh, training camps open. And unfortunately, I haven't been able to do my podcast this week because of um, we got some family things going on. But just always busy, always busy. Okay, well, obviously your Titans are in it. At a fairly decent position to add some good players in this draft, but let's talk about your current roster first. Okay. Can you? Because um, it's it, let's. I'm not trying to put you down, but it's a little bit of a little bit of a mess on the depth chart. Can you can you make oh, yeah. sense of this this wide receiver depth chart and maybe how it'll look in uh, September? Well, I don't think they know how it will look in September um, <laughs> because, you know, there are a lot of question marks there. Um, they've got some young players. Well, uh, Doriel Belkin-Green, young player who um, was very raw, you know, coming out, missing so much college time because of all the off-the-field issues. And so, you know, he was going to be a project, and, and I think that they knew that. And uh, I said when they drafted him that it, if you're expecting – you know, consistent production from him. You better look to year three because he was such a raw uh, guy. And then, you know, Justin Hunter, he's never fulfilled his, his potential. A lot of injuries there. Kendall Wright, uh, much the same story with Kendall Wright, although he's certainly been more consistent and more productive than Justin Hunter. Um, I, it would not – I haven't seen anybody say this. If they have, I apologize. It would not shock me if they did not trade Kendall Wright. If Kendall Wright was not the uh, product of some sort of trade, you know, possibly maybe during the draft, you know, they're looking to, to trade out of that number one overall spot, pick up some more draft selections. Uh, Kendall Wright scheduled to make $7.1 million in 2016. That's an awful lot of money for a guy who's probably just a number two um wide receiver he's talented um but he's never really fulfilled you know that number one uh status and they've got some veterans on on the roster harry douglas um and some other younger guys trey mcbride so you know i'm not sure what the wide receiver depth chart is going to be is going to look like you would think that they would probably add some add at least one maybe in in the draft and there's going to be some more free agency moves you know there, there's another period of free agency upcoming so uh it's going to be very interesting to see what they do there and I'm pretty sure they added Richard Matthews as well yes, so they that did. makes the situation yes. situation a little more murky but uh you know you and make I a like good that point signing. there and I really expected um, Harry Douglas to be more, and he had some injury. You know, they were just a very injured football team uh, really over the past four years, uh, going back at least that far. And, you know, Harry Douglas had some, you know, they were, um, they've had injuries at, at the wide receiver position and, you know, guys just haven't been as productive as, as expected. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think 
I agree with you on uh, DGB, how it's maybe next year that we should probably get excited about him. Um, but uh, I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity this year to, to, to shine. Um, you're probably right about Kendall Wright. I just feel like, you know, where he's been a very good receiver, you got to, you have to, if you're going to get any kind of value out of him in, in return, you certainly can. He's, I think he's only like 5'10". So, I mean, he's, he's mm-hmm. proven to be a very, a very good pass catcher with a whole bunch of different quarterbacks. So that, that should make him attractive to a playoff team that's certainly in need. Um, you know, I think he would be a decent signing for like the Giants if they wanted to, to throw something you guys' way, just because they need they need bodies there certainly. Well, he um, was the number one draft selection, so that kind of you know what what would teams be willing to give up and and and, and you know so it would be you, know, you would think that the Titans wouldn't wouldn't take anything less than. Of course, it could be you know a player and a draft pick. So there are all kinds of options that they have there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick, any any thoughts there or questions for Sharona? Um, yeah, you mentioned how murky the receiver depth chart is. It seems like the backup running back depth chart is just as murky. Uh, any insights there as to who's going to be the number two and number three running backs? Well, I mean, obviously DeMarco Murray is, is the number one guy, and um, Antonio Andrews is behind him on the depth chart. He was their leading rusher last year, I think. The, the question – is is an interesting one because the Titans um, have not really utilized their running backs like um, a lot of people felt like, including myself, felt like they should have. But um, with Mike Malarkey, uh, you, I think you could expect, you know, he's a guy who likes to use tight ends and former tight end, if I recall correctly. I think you're going to see – um, the running backs and the tight ends utilized a little bit more efficiently than what you saw with with um, Ken Wisenhunt. And also, um, I think that you're going to see them used a little bit more creatively. You've got Bishop Sankey and Dexter McCluster there, too. Um, if, if they make the roster, of course, you know, there's always that possibility that um, – you know, somebody might come in and, and outplay. You know, and it wouldn't. It, speaking of Justin Hunter, and uh, you know, there there could be a lot of changes on this roster, uh, just depending on how things fall out. But I think right now it's Antonio Andrews with Bishop Sankey and or Dexter McCluster playing that flex spot. You know, the the spot where. Um, they could be flexed out and used as a receiver or, you know, used in the passing game a little bit more. So no love for David Cobb. Well, you know, he what he spent nine, ten games last year on, um, you know, the IR would designate designation mm-hmm. to return. We just don't know what we have there. Um, so we'll have to see. You know, training camp will help flesh some of this uh, stuff out, but you know, again, that's another position wouldn't shock me at all if they didn't add some depth there. And you know, they've got um, they invested in a fullback too, and you know, you could see mm-hmm. him get some carries as well. Sure, and what what I think maybe is going against Cobb and and maybe Andrews to that point too is they're along with Demarco Murray are all they're all three the kind of the same just. Power exactly. right through the yeah. line running back yeah. where yeah. Sankey maybe gets a little bit of an edge because he could at least and and McCluster too to some extent can 
get out of the backfield and make right. some plays too. Exactly. And I don't think they're going to be sacrificing Murray out there in the flat too often to do that. So I, I wouldn't think so. Hope, hopefully we've cleared up that both of those situations just a little bit for you. Um, what about uh, Jarrell Casey? I think he's going to get a little bit of help probably at some point in time in the draft, but do you think he well, can yeah, bounce back so. and be that, <laughs> be that double-digit sack guy again? Because I, I really like watching this big guy dance. I want to see he's- more sacks again. He's great, and um, I, you know it's it, another interesting question because um, I, it, the position that he plays, you know, typically they're not double-digit sack guys. That's what made that season that he had so extraordinary. Um, in that, you know, he was able to do that. He is um, he fills the position where you know he's going to try to get at the passer, of course, but he's also a run star. He does everything so well, and and so they've got him in that in that spot where where he does that dual role. And it's you know typically it's your edge rushers or your 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 end guy who those are the guys that typically get the you know the um, the sexy sack stat. So um, I, I think Jarrell Casey he he's a fantastic player. He's going to have a great season. No question in my mind, but if you're expecting, you know, maybe it will happen. Maybe he'll have another extraordinary season. He just doesn't play that position that uh, typically allows for double-digit sacks. Mm. Well, and it'd be nice to see them add, you know, at least uh, somebody with potential mm-hmm. to be a pass rusher as the future yes. in the future yes. to help to help maybe funnel the thing mm-hmm. towards his way. Uh, mm-hmm. But. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I just like I said, love to see this big guy dance. But I want to see more of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nick, any questions there? Um, switching back to offense, uh, I was wondering what your thoughts were on Marcus Mariota's rookie season, and is Titans mm-hmm. Nation as high on him at, right now as they were right after the draft last year? I think overall, yes. Um, everybody, you know, he's such a a fantastic talent, and. Um, yeah, you know, I was very high on him coming coming out in the draft. Uh, it was um, it, it it seemed to be the um, you know there there are no safe picks, right? But it seemed to be the safe pick for them. They needed a quarterback. You know, Zach Mettenberger um, had, had shown flashes, but but not enough. You know, really. And and there were guys um, who's at as we saw, you know, the GM and the the former coach lost their their jobs despite drafting Marcus Mariota. So um, he he's a great talent. I think that um, the injuries, you know, that again we're talking about injuries again. They've just been so injured, such an injured football team over the past few years. Hopefully, he'll be able to stay healthy. They're going, you know looking to invest once again they've invested heavily in their offensive line their offensive um, line players haven't been able to stay healthy either so um, you know the conventional wisdom is that they might take Laramie Tunsil to help along the offensive line with that number one overall pick if they can't trade out of it so I do think that they'll add an offensive lineman Um, what round of the draft it will be remains to be seen but um if they can keep Marcus Mariota healthy, if the guys around him can be more consistent, which they're expecting that to happen, I think that he, in my mind, he should have won Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah, there's no question what he was able to do in the in the 
statistically he was he had a much better season than than um Winston, Jameis Winston, but um, you know, he doesn't play on a flashy team and he did miss some games. So, you know, he didn't win it, but uh, overall I thought that his rookie uh campaign was was fantastic. Um, look at you stealing my segue right into the draft. But um, um <laughs> I just one more thought on the Mariota situation too. With are you surprised with with the coaching change, I mean, obviously he didn't have a very good track record, but I mean, we saw it was Winston too. Both of these guys lost their head coaches after mm-hmm. year one. I mean, what kind of messages that sent to these young players? Um, and I know, I know it was very important for Mariota, Mariota that they retained uh, their QB coach. So maybe, you know, maybe there's a little bit to be mm. said there, but um, what, what are your thoughts on them getting rid of Wisenhunt with the rookie quarterback in place? Cause it seemed like, you know, that's, building for the future, but, oh, we're going to start over again. You know, I expected Kim Wisenhut to get fired. I did not expect them to fire him during the season. Um, it, it, his firing does not surprise me one iota. Okay. Well, you, you've already you've already gone there a little bit, but, I mean, you got to take Larry Tumple, right? There's, there's just not another, not another option. Listen, there. Uh, I would take um, uh, the Florida State player, Jalen Ramsey. Um, that's who I would take. Uh, they need playmakers. They do not have enough playmakers on that roster. I think Laramie Tunsil is a, a solid player, but I think that they can get a solid offensive lineman um, later on in the draft. It's a pretty deep position this year. The best – left tackle that they have had in the past 10, 15 years, they took in the second round. The best right tackle that they've had in the past 10, 15 years, they took in the fourth round. That was in the same draft, the 2004 NFL draft in in Michael Ruse and David Stewart. You don't have to take an offensive tackle that high. And that that would be the way that I would go. I understand the counter argument. Um, you know, they just took, they just drafted uh, Taylor Lewan. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and they really have invested heavily at the position. At some point, and I know they they have gone out and they've made a lot of nice signings in the secondary. I particularly liked them bringing in. Um, Rashad Johnson from the, the Arizona. I was surprised he didn't get more interest out there on the open market. I love that signing. That certainly does help. And um, they've made another couple of really nice signings there in the secondary. But still, they've got to build for the future. They don't really know what they've got. And you know, Jason McCourty, another guy who, who's been injured. So, you know, at some point, you've got to start getting playmakers uh, on the different on the defensive side of the football, they don't have enough there. Okay. Well, I, you kind of just got me thinking you were going to go in that realm since you started talking about all those injuries on offense. And I thought, well, maybe, you know, I like to consider the offensive linemen yeah. the protectors well, of the realm. So I was hoping maybe Tunsil could keep these guys up. And I agree with you that this is a they deep do it, I understand it. I, it just would not be the direction that I would go. And I agree this is a deep class, but I just think Tunsil is just so far and above everybody else so and and that's but you know you, you make some very you make some very valid points too and the thing that's nice about Ramsey is you can put him anywhere in the secondary yeah. and you can put him at weak side linebacker if you need it you know well, they, I just yeah. it's 
just a he is a, a phenomenal talent and with yeah. just all all around. So uh mm-hmm. Nick, any other questions there for Sharona? Oh, just one more fun question on Marcus Mariota. I was wondering, does he do a lot of endorsements out there? Because out here in his home state, it seems like he's on every other commercial whenever I watch oh, local yeah? TV. You know what? You're asking the wrong person. I don't watch enough uh, television to really be able to say. I mean, if I if if I watch anything, it's, you know, it's sports-related. And here lately, with what little free time that I've had, I've been gaming. So I'm sorry. I just I, I'm sure that he has. <laughs> Plenty of endorsements and plenty of people knocking at his door wanting him to do endorsements. Okay, well, one more fun question for you. Okay. This, this this division seems to be a little more civil than, sure. you know, like the NFC East where Nick comes from. But uh, mm-hmm. of all the teams in this division, it, is is there a, a fan base that is just really annoying? The Texans, no, no question. <laughs> because... Well, I mean, it used to be the Colts, you know, when they had Peyton Manning, and of course they've been annoying with all the, um, the the you know Peyton Manning bromance, (laughs) you know, with the retirement and everything. But but the Texans fans are the worst. There's no question. Okay. Well, as always, absolute pleasure to talk to you, Sharona. Thank you so much for for joining us. Keep keep kicking butt over there at NFL Female. All right. Thanks. All right. Yeah, thanks, Sharona. Bye-bye. Take care. Uh, awesome, awesome stuff from Sharona. As always, like I said, those ladies over there at NFL Female, just they know what they're doing, and that's why we have them on. Um, it is time for rants. Um, I don't know if it's going to be a, a rant necessarily today. Nick had some instructions for me to not say some of the things that I normally say. Uh, but uh, let's let Nick uh, get, get the shadow boxing going on in the corner as he to let us know what's uh, what's going on in Nick Rant this week. So, Josh, you you've mentioned in the past how you you mentioned in the past how my rants lean towards the negative side, calling them shots fired and whatnot. And you're right. I mean, the very word rant to me signifies a displeasure with something. For example, I have very strong feelings about hiking through the jungle. It might be my favorite thing to do, but I've never ranted about it. Typically, any rant is going to focus on something negative. But this week, I'm changing it up. And I just want to say I love USC's linebacker safety prospect, Sua Craven's decision not to do any private workouts for teams before the draft. Let's face it, as an NFL player, you have an organization constantly telling you when and where you have to be, even in the offseason. So these are almost like his last days of freedom for the next 2 to 15 years, depending on how much success he has. You know what? You only live once, and time is precious. I'm guessing he thought to himself, I'm a good football player. I've got all-American film at a major conference university. I jumped through hoops in my underwear at the Combine and worked out at USC's Pro Day. If after all that, some team bypasses me because I didn't waste a month of my life giving 32 private workouts, fine, let them. I'll make them regret it every time our teams meet. You know, and then on the opposite end of the spectrum, we see the top three quarterbacks all giving the Eagles private workouts. And, you know, of course, I don't fault the organization for wanting to examine all the players, dot their I's, cross their T's, but come on, Philadelphia, after spending huge money on both Chase Daniels and Sam Bradford, I'm not buying the smoke screen of them drafting a quarterback in the first round. They're certainly not trading up into the top two. So, you know, thank you to Sua Cravens for reminding us that just because everyone else is blindly following the arbitrary task instruction manual handed out by the man doesn't necessarily mean that all things are mandated, especially if you possess the skills that are in demand. Maybe we should all fight the power a little more often. Josh? 
Uh, the Fight the Power edition of uh, Nick Ranth. I love it. Coincidentally, uh, uh, Sue Cravens was on Pro Football Talk Radio this morning talking with Mike Florio, and that was the first question out of Florio's mouth is, what's, you know, what's the deal? Why have, you, why have you decided to do this? And he basically said, you know, I like like Nick said, I, I have film. I've, done, I've been to the combine. I think I just want to let the film speak for itself. And, you know, Florio also brought up a good point is what if he tweaked a knee or something? I mean, that could cost him millions of dollars. And from what I understand, they're like half the league is wanted to have him work out. And he's just like, no, this might, you know, I you have all this film on me. It's not like he's from a, you know, a Division three school where there's no good film on him. I'm sure every single game he's been in was ever, was televised. So I mean, there's, you can always always fall back and look at that. I know he has planned to do, um, and from what I understand, the workouts teams typically come to you for that. Um, but he he said he has planned to visit a couple teams. There's like five or six teams that wanted wanted him to just come in for 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 a visit and see the facility so he has he has planned to do that to travel and do that but uh yeah i don't blame him at all i mean it's not like i don't think a one workout's going to affect him especially him in the draft now that being said i know for a fact that the minnesota vikings brought in teddy bridgewater for uh a workout post combine and their coaches were able to actually ask him to throw a couple balls and, you know, maybe kind of tweak his delivery just a little bit. And, and they liked what they saw from him, and that's why they ultimately traded back into the first round. So I think those do make a difference because, you're, you know, you're able to, depending on your situation and need, you're able to make this this player, you know, maybe do some things that they haven't shown on film. So I don't, you know, necessarily disagree or agree with them, but and I, but I certainly admire uh, Cravens taking a stand because uh, he's a player that's going to be a very nice chess piece, I think, for a lot of teams, and he needs to, he needs to be healthy. Teams should not not uh, be dissuaded by this because you know he's going to he's already been talked about be going anywhere between pick like fifteen to thirty five. So I, I I think he's he's not going to help himself by any means, but. I, but be say, but saying no to this is not going to hurt him by any means either. So, uh, good rant. Fight the power. Let's talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, Nick. What do we think about Mr. Blake Bortles? Now, I know you and me are kind of in a lot, nice thinking that we're seeing a lot of growth at him. Uh, but some other people, even here with DFW, think he's maybe just feasting on garbage time. What do you think? Oh, I think it's about growth. I mean, his yards went up from 2,900 yards as a rookie to 4,400 yards. Touchdowns from 11 to 35. And, yes, he was raw coming out of using uh, Central Florida. All the experts said he would take time to develop. And, you know, thankfully the Jags knew that and didn't panic after he went 3-10 and 10 as a starter as a rookie. And, yes, there's going to be some garbage time production there. But here's the most telling stat to prove that he's growing to me. Uh, Bortles threw over 130 more passes in year two than he did as a rookie, but only threw one more interception and took four less sacks. Those numbers, to me, point to growth. Um, well, that, and you can't argue, with 11 touchdowns compared to 35 the next year. I mean, yeah, there's garbage time thrown in there, but you can't really uh, – can't really – discount that either and you know for for 
an, an Oakland Raider fan like myself, I'm very excited about what we have around this team right now and the fact that we're going to be able to add some quality players in the first couple rounds. Jacksonville's in that same situation. I think it's all right, finally, to be excited about this Jacksonville Jaguars team. They need some pieces on defense. Everybody does. But, you know, they're they're going to be good. I'm, and I'm not saying they're going to be a you know Super Bowl contender next year. Would I be surprised if they made the playoffs? I probably would. But if, would I be surprised if they're 9-7? and seven? Absolutely not. I think this is a team that's that's growing and they're you know whether or not it's good for their their fantasy stats for the rest of their players i think you're going to continue to see a nice fantasy line uh from blake bortles so if you were very smart like my co-host nick is and invested on him and laid in a startup in a dynasty league you're going to reap the benefits for the next three to five years at least because this guy is uh this guy's showing good things and yeah Great point on on those stats too. With just one more interception, it was 130 more pass attempts. That that is impressive. Yep. To me. I, I agree. And four less four less sacks. Yeah, that's that's uh, good news. I think coming out of Jacksonville finally for these fans. Um, what do we think? You know, I I there's a, there's a lot of bodies in this team, Nick. And I know I know nobody's big on Marquise Lee, and I'm still holding out hope. And I. Still can't believe in a dynasty startup of that 2014 wide receiver class. This is the one rookie that I ended up with on that team. Uh, but uh, Rashard Green's also there. And I, as a Florida State fan, I've seen him make some pretty phenomenal plays. And I expect, you know, given the, given some small windows of opportunity that he could do that too is, is – is he just getting the slight edge for you as wide receiver three on this team? What do you think? Uh, I think so. And like you, I also own Marquise Lee in a, in a league. But, you know, last, so it was a little painful last year to see Brian Walters end up the third receiver on the stat sheet with 32 catches, 360 yards and a score. But, you know, I think it will definitely come down to Marquise Lee or Green. Uh, Lee last year only 15 catches, 190 yards, one score. Uh, Rashard Green, 19 catches, 93 yards and two scores. I think my money would have to be on Rashard Green. Even though Marquise Lee does have the edge in size and was drafted a little bit higher, the regression that he suffered last year from 422 yards as a rookie down to 191, that just really scares me. I do think he has a little bit more upside, but his floor is really in the cellar, I think. Yeah, and just, you know, if you were able to watch some Green games with that last year with Marcus Mariota, I mean, without – Rashard Green, Mariota is not not highly regarded going into the draft. I mean, he bailed him out of so many situations. And, yeah, he's a little uh, undersized, you know, just a hair under six feet. Uh, but he's just such a such a hard worker and just a guy that just gets the job done. You know, and he had his stats, you need to take into account that he missed a good chunk of the season with injury, too. And, you know, Lee's had been dinged up here and there, but that's, you know, the story of his life. It's just, it's just, he's just always been dinged up here and there. And I still think there's something there, but it's not something that they can, they can count on there. So, Oh, I'm still not ready to, uh, uh, wash my hands of Lee yet, but we'll see what, we'll see how it happens. Um, Bill Latin brought to my attention a couple weeks ago that, uh, Jacksonville, while they need help on defenses, talked about moving Jonathan Cyprian up in to play more of an in-the-box role in 2016. So 
his IDP stock has has to be on the rise, right, Nick? Um, I think that's the general consensus, and that's why I think I would sell high. Uh, he's had over 100 tackles the last three years, and but Florida Times Union uh, believes that James Sample is going to start a strong safety. So, you know, is Cypern going to remain an every-down player? Does he go from a strong IDP option at safety to just a pretty good linebacker in IDP formats? I mean, yes, there's definitely a chance for improvement, and I think the change will help Jacksonville's defense as a unit because he was somewhat of a liability in coverage. But I, I, anytime there's change, positional changes, I worry a little bit about fantasy value. You know, I think if I needed a linebacker, which if he does play more in the box, I wouldn't be surprised if they listed him as a linebacker in the future, then you know I would take him, but I wouldn't be excited if I was a current owner. Yeah, and you make up a good point. He's already had 100 tackles in the last three seasons. So that's, you know, that's a lot to live up to every year when you've already set that precedent for yourself. Not saying he couldn't do that if he plays in the box. It's just uh, he's going to have to do that to retain his value. So if if there's somebody excited about him, yeah, you can certainly uh, let him go, I believe. You know, this is I, – I, I like the move. I think it would push – you know, if they do that linebacker thing with here, it'd probably push Dan Scooter to the bench, which would be totally fine. And then they have, you know, Cyprian on one side and Telvin Smith on the other, and that that's that's a lot of athleticism at the linebacker spot coming out of your front seven. So uh, that's that could be a very good thing. And maybe you know, maybe maybe if he does not get the hundred tackles, but he hits you, you know, three to four, three to five sacks, that's that's certainly a, a nice uh, increase there to make up for some tackle losses there. Uh, biggest draft needs. I kind of struggle a little bit with this team because obviously they need some players, but I mean, picking as high as they do with the potential already on their roster, Nick, don't you think at least the first round they have to go best player available? Uh, I think so. I think they have the fifth overall pick, and they've had a busy offseason, signing Malik Jackson, Chris Ivory, Prince of Mukamura, uh, the offensive tackle, Kelvin Beecham. Plus, they get their 2015 first-round pick, Dante Fowler, back, who missed all of his rookie year. So, you know, they they do have a lot of additions already. Um, there's a lot – there's some buzz that Miles Jack, the linebacker from UCLA, if he's still there. Uh, if not, I think they'd probably go offensive line, secondary, defensive line. You know, Jacksonville really isn't as far away on paper as most teams that pick in the top five. And, you know, I think you're right. They probably should just go best available player. And especially if they're committed to Cyprian up front or in the box and they bring in a Miles Jack to maybe, you know, maybe as a, as a sub-package, you know, kind of a factor – factor backer there for for a year he could eventually replace Paul Pozluski in the middle that would be huge for Jack's IDP stats um we talked about that yesterday on the IDP prospect show but uh yeah if he's going to play inside anywhere that that would be nice uh, obviously it would maybe stunt his growth a, a little bit there early on in Jacksonville but he's a player that they could put where they wanted him to put or put where they wherever they want um you make great points, and they've had done really good things to, I think, improve this team. And we've seen them make some big signings before, and it just hasn't panned out. Uh, maybe, maybe this is maybe this is the, the big turnaround for them. And then we've we've already been there a little bit. But uh, uh, furthermore, you know, on the draft, I, they need a legitimate defender, you know, like a DB. I think just a, a playmaker. If Ramsey was somehow to slip that far to them, I think they would jump all over that. Um, you know, any of these guys in the top five, I think, could help. Even 
even Tunsil, they could you know they could find a spot for for other players if they if they got Tunsil. Joey Bosa would be nice to offset Fowler on the other side. You know, let Fowler play against the left tackles and set the edge, and just let Bosa use his hands to uh, be destructive. Uh, this class is deep at corner, so they could add one of those guys later. Um, you know, the tight end is a position that they could afford to maybe take a chance on somebody later on in the draft. They have tight ends, but they're both up, they're both up there in age. Um, they drafted one last year. I'm pretty sure he is no longer with the team or maybe on the practice squad, a kid out of Notre Dame. But, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, like I said, I kind of struggled to actually pinpoint certain positions, certain, you know, certain names here just because this team has done some good things in the off season. And, uh, you know, not a lot of maybe this, they might have a, a draft that doesn't look very sexy on paper, but uh, in the long run, it's just, you know, it's not a huge fantasy draft for them, so to speak, but it's a, it's a draft that helps solidify a lot of things. I think they need a, a center and a guard too, potentially with Zach Beatles gone. So they, they, they have some work to do, but they don't have necessarily huge gaping holes there. Um, it is time for a rookie mock draft update. And you think I would be ready for that? Have you done any rookie draft mocks, Nick? I have not. I need to uh, get on, get a hold of, uh, of Bruce and let him know I'm available for that. Okay, so I've been doing a few here and there. Um, was hoping that the, there was one in my feed somewhere. Um Let's come back to that. I'll get that going here. Let's talk about the Houston Texans, Nick. What do you think about uh, Brock Brock Osweiler? Is he a myth or a legend or maybe something in between? Oh, I think it's a complete myth. Uh, In his eight starts, he had one 300-yard game, only had two games with multiple touchdowns, and that was with two really good wide receivers. Now he only has one to work with. Uh, Texans head coach Bill O'Brien brought up his work in Week 12 and 14 as evidence of Brock's ability to stand up against fierce pass rushes. But in those two games, he threw 93 passes, only one touchdown and one interception. Uh, to get a four-year, $72 million per contract, that to me is just crazy for a barely average quarterback who got benched for an ancient Peyton Manning. I don't understand that at all. Yeah, you know, he's certainly uh, had moments where he's shown potential, but um, uh, there's also been a lot said about this team very interested in Corey Coleman in the first round, and that would obviously be you know, look like on paper a legitimate wide receiver too for DeAndre Hopkins. So if they, you know, if they add a little guy, kind of, you know, the Manny Sanders to the to Demarius Thomas type of thing there, obviously the younger versions, uh, that that could certainly help him out. They do have a decent running game to help him out where he probably got overpaid. I, I'll, I'll grant you that. Um, I don't think anybody's going to be jumping all over over that contract that that was uh, an okay thing for him. I, I just, I think, I think the jury's still out. I mean, it's, it's, he's, they have something to work with there when we're, no matter how you feel about the money or not, I think he could, he could potentially grow into something, but right now he's, he's certainly not a legend. Maybe, maybe a myth, but uh, maybe, maybe something more uh, as we will, as we will see going forward. Um, What do you think about, uh, well, anybody on the current roster emerge as wide receiver too. We know Jalen Strong got arrested for pot this off season, so 
that might not be good there. What do you think? Well, and right now it's probably Cecil Shorts, who had 42 catches, 480 yards, and two scores last year. Or you mentioned Jalen Strong, who had 14 catches, 160 yards, and three touchdowns as a rookie. But I just really have to think they're going to add some competition via the draft. Uh, last year's fifth-rounder, Keith Mumphrey, is also in the mix. But you know, I, I still I think they have to use an early pick on a receiver. If they don't draft a wide receiver at all, why not just bring back Andre Johnson for one last hurrah, right? Yeah, there you go. Uh, you can't, you can't uh, uh, yeah, he's done. I don't think they'll do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, Coleman would obviously be huge for them. But, um, yeah, Mumphrey's not, not really anything, especially with, uh, you know, Cecil Shorts has, has never really been healthy at all either. So, not, you know, not a lot to – not a lot brew in there, unfortunately. But uh, I, I, um, yeah, they needed that one in the draft. That's a, that's big. Um, currently, their number one tight end on on their depth chart is a guy that I was pretty excited about when he came out as a rookie. That's C.J. Fedorowicz. What do you think? Can he make a relevant fantasy statement here in 2016 moving forward? Uh, maybe. I mean, 17 catches for 167 yards and a score in 16 games and 14 starts last year. But that was less numbers than his fellow tight end Ryan Griffin had in nine games. But the tight ends in general just have not been productive thus far under head coach Bill O'Brien. So I would be somewhat surprised if he ever becomes more than a tight end two for fantasy purposes. And he may never even be that. But you know what, it is year three for him, and tight ends do take a few years to develop. So if you believed in him and you've held on to him for this long, then you then continue to hold on to him. Just have a short leash. You know, if he's not produ- producing by midseason, then it's probably time to cut, cut the cord on him. Uh, he's a player I would certainly consider adding if you need a tight end because there's there's something there and where he was not very utilized uh, at uh, – at Iowa, he still can really catch, and I think you're going to see some good things. And with uh, you know, with the great wide receiver, you know, already on that roster, he's certainly not going to not going to demand a whole lot of a whole lot of attention from opposing defenses. And that, that's that's something that you can look at. It's again, it's it's a it's a huge shot in the dark, and uh, but I'm not the only one that uh, is recommending him either. So make sure you just uh, keep him uh, under under consideration there if, if you need something like that there. So, um, what do we think about the defensive side of the ball, Nick? Are, are, is it now finally Jadavian Clowney's time to shine? Well, maybe. I mean, he only just turned 23 years old. Uh, he's missed about half of his games in his two seasons, but he did play 13 games last year, had four and a half sacks and 40 tackles, and got a pretty decent grade from Pro, pro Football Focus, uh, ranked, ranked ninth out of 53 uh, 3-4 outside linebackers. You know, as the number one overall pick, expectations were sky high for Clowney, and sometimes the market overcorrects when guys don't quite live up to those high of expectations. So he's a guy that, you know, you might look to buy low right now, but I wouldn't overpay by any means. He's a real high-risk, high-reward type of thing. Yeah, he hasn't moved into that status where this is a guy I wanted my full IDP roster every single week. Um, but uh, you know, if somebody's you know trying to trying to pawn him off on you, it's certainly worth worth a look. You know, worth a consideration. 
Uh, we do say often that past rushers take time to develop. So he, you know, though he missed a year, is uh, most of it one season. He is entering year three, so that's uh, that's something certainly something to be uh, to be excited about and to keep him playing uh, opposite JJ Water. You know, if anybody's on the field with JJ Water, I think it's gonna ultimately make them a little bit uh, more effective there. So. Oh, what do you think about draft needs, Nick? Biggest draft needs? Well, personally, I would say quarterback, but Houston's got 72 million reasons not to draft a quarterback high. So uh, they, I would say that now they have to go with the wide receiver, too, opposite Hopkins. That's got to be where they look if there's one there that they like. Uh, maybe possibly offensive line if they don't like any of the receivers high. There's just no point in paying a quarterback big money if you don't surround him with the tools that it takes to succeed, right? Yeah, they. They could use. I know they lost um, Ben Jones to Tennessee. They lost. They lost some talent there. So um, Coleman seems to be a lot of the consensus round for, uh, first round guy. I wouldn't be surprised to see them add a running back in the second or third, where you know people are excited about Lamar Miller. It's you certainly need to have a backup there. You need to have a, a plan in place and, and just you need to be able to give Lamar Miller a, a rest and and know that you can bring somebody out there that's going to still continue to do some good things for your team. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them go that route either. Um, they could use, you know, some more people in that front seven, depending, you know, on how they've used some of these, these tweener guys, you know, um, you know, they're not high picking high enough to get a guy like a Bosa, but like uh, Emmanuel Ogba, who some people think can, can be defensive end or an inside linebacker, who could play probably both the 3-4 defensive end and the 4-3 defensive end, or uh, some other guys that, uh, you know, can move inside, like, a, you know, a Jonathan Bullard out of Florida. Maybe he's somebody they could look at potentially in the second round. He's a guy that can do the defensive end and defensive tackle type of thing, but he kind of fits that Aaron Donald mold of the you know sub three hundred pounds, just six one. So you know maybe a guy that can really do more than just plug the middle of the field like the you know like Vincent Wilfork did for them last year there. So uh, DJ Reader is a guy from out of Clemson. I think they could get really late that I think could create some uh, havoc up the middle there too. So we'll see. They they need to replace the defensive end there too. I think they lost Crick via free agency, so they have some. They certainly have some needs there, and you know maybe some more playmakers along this offense. And if they you know if they're excited about Hunter Henry, you know maybe round two, maybe they take him and push our or my guy Fedorowitz down a notch. We'll see. Uh, so rookie draft update. That's kind of the 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 theory right now, or not the the main thing going on in mock. So I just kind of wanted to. Let you guys know what's going on here. Just I'll give you the first round of two of them. I believe I gave you one of these last week, but this is uh, this is this is the, a different one here. Because Elliot went first, no surprise there. Uh, Doxon went two above Treadwell and Henry. Henry three and Treadwell actually went four. Corey Coleman five. Sterling Shepard six. Leonte Carew seven. Carew the a guy that's gaining a whole lot of momentum right now. A little surprised he went above Tyler Boyd, who went eight. Kenneth Dixon, nine. Carson Wentz, ten. Michael Thomas, Ohio State, went 11. Devontae Booker, 12. Uh, Miles 
Jack went uh, first pick of the second round, followed by Alex Collins, Joey Bosa, and Will Fuller. That's as far as that draft is right now. Those are the first 12, or excuse me, first 16 picks. Um, the one from last week was Elliot Treadwell, Doxon, Henry Coleman, Boyd, Shepard, Dixon, Paxton Lynch, a little bit of a surprise there, Michael Thomas, Ohio State, followed by Lawan. Uh, Leonte Carew and Will Fuller to end the first round. Uh, Devontae Booker, first pick of the second. Kiaris Garrett, 2.02. Braxton Miller, Aaron Burbridge, Alex Collins, CJ Procise, Farrell Cooper, Tajay Sharp, uh, Jordan Howard, Hunter Henry, Paul Perkins, and Christian Hackenberg to run up the second round there. So a little surprised on some of those quarterbacks, but again, you know, people are probably treating these mocks as they have a need there. So um, I was the one that took Hunter Henry in the second. There's certainly some teams that I could use a legitimate tight end on if, uh, and I have some bodies there so I can let Henry develop for a couple of years there. So that's what's going on with the rookie mocks. So hopefully we'll have some more, uh, some more rookie ADP up there on the site here in the next couple of weeks or so. And I know we're going to get a few more rookie mocks going here in the next couple of days. So make sure you're checking that out as we'll see. To, hopefully you guys can figure out where you're at and what's, what's going on for you. But we got a couple prospect profiles to get to. Um, Carl Joseph is a guy that I wanted to talk about safety out of West Virginia. Talked a little bit about him on the podcast yesterday as well. Um, and Nick's going to talk about Kiono. Keanu Neal uh, in a second here, but both the, both these guys are safeties. Uh, probably top five in the class I'm considering them, um, and both of these guys are absolutely devastating hitters. But, uh, you know, Joseph, the big thing on him is he missed, you know, 12, excuse me, seven games with an ACL tear. Seems to be coming back fine, but of course he hasn't been, you know, a huge part of any of uh, the off-season program, but you know, if you have safeties and maybe need one more to solidify your thing, you have a have a spot for this guy, you certainly should grab him. Just an absolutely vicious tackler. Just uh five ten excuse me, just yeah, just five foot ten around the two hundred pound mark. So not a very uh not a very big player, but uh, four interceptions in five games last year. Um yeah, five foot ten, two oh not two oh five probably like a second or third round talent at this point in the actual NFL draft, a guy that you could easily get probably, I would say right now, fourth or fifth round in your full IDP format. Um, not a lot of recent film against some other prospects because of uh, the time missed with the injury, uh, but an absolutely devastating hitter leads with his head a little bit. So that is somewhat of a concern, uh, but uh, excellent uh, in coverage uh, a guy that you can, you know, put back there at free safety and a guy that can play this strong safety role too. And I think being able to play both safety positions and provide help uh, in pass coverage is going to be huge uh, for him uh, moving forward as you look at some of the other strong safeties in the class like Jeremy Cash, Miles Kilbrew, there are more guys that just hover around the line of scrimmage there. So any questions there, Nick, about Carl Joseph? Well, it seems like he's kind of a ball hawk. He had four interceptions in five games last year. Um, does he have any experience, say, like covering slot receivers? Could he be a nickelback at all, or is he strictly a safety? I think because of the the, the aggression and stuff, he's probably 
strictly a safety and I don't there's not a lot of uh, you know testing on him with right now because of the injury so I'm not sure where where his you know his 40 and his three cone would would be at but uh, I think um, he, where he is a little bit undersized that could maybe help him with uh, with um, with his slot guys he does kind of have a tendency to over pursue at times uh, but one thing I'd like to consider is when people, you know, think this guy over pursues, at least generally when people over pursue, at least they have a speed to do so. And you'd think they would maybe have the speed to make up to where he might get burned once or twice early on, but he's going to, uh, going to make adjustments there. Um, I would say the main thing I'm worried about him is his leading, leading with his head, and not only could that lead to penalties and suspensions, but that could also lead to an injury, another injury on him. You don't want a, you don't want a safety with a with an ACL tear and a uh, and a concussion by, by any means. But uh, just just a devastating hitter there. So, really like Carl Joseph, have him number two, my number two safety right now there. So what he got for us, and can you kneel, Nick? Well, uh, Keanu Neal, uh, safety out of Florida, six foot two eleven, ran a four six two forty. So he's not super fast, but quick enough. Uh, and first off, it's nice for NFL GMs that he can play both strong safety and free safety. Uh, of course, fantasy football guys hope he's going to be a strong safety, and that's probably the best fit for him. But you know, if he is a bust at one, it's nice that there's a fallback, kind of like when Robert Gallery uh, busted a tackle, but was a pretty good guard for the Raiders for a long time. Um, I do think that strong safety is the best fit because his weakness is going for the big hit and missing the tackle. So, you know, at free safety, you're sometimes the last line of defense. But at strong safety, you know, if you at least force the ball carrier to juke or stiff arm or whatever, that can give time for other defenders to swarm to the ball carrier. Uh, you know, the 40 time was average, 4.62. Uh, he does have pretty good character. Um, so, you know, that's nice. You love to minimize the risk as a fantasy football owner, not drafting a guy that you have to worry about getting suspended and all that. Uh, and it seems like most of his flaws on the field seem to be mental errors. So I think with good coaching, he definitely has the physical tools to develop into a stud player. And like you mentioned about both of these safeties, a very strong hitter. Uh, what a, what about um, coverage? That's something I haven't seen a lot a lot of film him, and, and I mentioned yesterday too. A lot of people consider this uh, Neil kid out of Florida to be an end of the first round type of talent. So there's certainly at a high regard for him. But is, is he a coverage liability? Can he match up match up with those little guys? Um, that is uh, one of his weaknesses is his coverage skills or uh, lack thereof. But again, I think that's something that if with proper coaching, I think he can definitely improve upon. Um, but and another reason why he's a better fit at strong safety than free safety, at least right now in his career. Okay, yeah, love the love the film on Neil. Just a, a wicked hitter, and you. It's not very often you see you see college guys, you know his his size when they hit somebody they go backwards you know i mean i there's a one of the just one of his highlight reels i know it's not a full game or anything but one of his highlight reels he flattened derrick henry i mean that's that's derrick henry because he's given up probably 30 pounds and you know he's he's six four you know so maybe the bigger they are the harder they fall but i mean Henry's got a full head of steam coming through line, and he just puts him down. And I'm just like, wow, that that is impressive to me. So both both of these guys, if you ha- if you have a need at safety, um, 
even if they're not going to help you right away, they're certainly going to be great ads in your full full IDP format there. So love love both of these guys. Um, geez, that's all we had for you, Nick. It's uh, seemed like it's uh, a longer show. We wrapped up sooner than usual. What, any closing thoughts? Um, don't think so. Just uh, I would say don't. Uh... Uh, this time of year, we see a lot of guys like Stephen Ridley getting interest from the Lions. So don't buy too much into these third, fourth, fifth tier free agents having huge impacts. <laughs> yeah, there's there's already three running backs on that Lions roster, so Ridley is just a a huge fallback option there. I, I agree with you there. Um, not a lot of fantasy fantasy relevance with the uh, the moves happening right now, unless of course you know. Denver actually decides to address their quarterback situation. What do you think about um, Nick Foles? Don't you think they could get him pried away for like a fifth round pick? Um, you would think so, but uh, it, it is really strange the lack of action on the Denver quarterback front. Of course, other than Mark Sanchez, which I don't think is going to be the yeah. ultimate solution there. But yeah, it, it's very, very surprising they haven't made more moves yet. Well, and I'm sure Mark Sanchez is suggesting Nick Foles after he sat behind him in uh, Philadelphia there. But uh, uh, that would be an interesting move to me, I think. Uh, it, it would show something and I, where I guess they would have to maybe eat some of that contract that the Rams gave him because the Rams, you know, no matter how you feel about them, seem really committed that Keith Keenum is going to be their quarterback next year. So. We'll see, and I know they'll probably draft one too. But they drafted one last year, and that hasn't uh, that hasn't panned out to anything positive so far there. And Sean Manning out of Oregon State. So uh, I, I haven't heard any rumors, but he's just a name out there where I think they could maybe get him for like a fifth round pick. Granted, they would have to pay him, you know, probably more than they're paying Sanchez, but. Uh, uh, certainly a player with experience, a guy that can get the ball down the field. And you're, when you're only asking him to make, you know, two or, you know, two to five really tough throws per game, why not? It's, he's he's young enough to where, you know, he's, unless he gets suffers a catastrophic injury, I think he could potentially stay stay healthy there. Uh, granted, they, you know, add some pieces along that offensive line. But I don't know why I'm so concerned about it, Nick. I just <laughs> – It'll be interesting to see who their quarterback is. Um, uh, and I know they've said that they want to bring in another veteran, so maybe that's where I'm going. Going with that, or maybe I just want justification for having him on a couple of my dynasty teams. <laughs> um, and just to be very excited about him. Uh, I've been trying to trade him away for nothing, and nobody seems to want, want to give me even like a sixth or seventh round pick for him. So, um, But now, now I've excited myself about him, so maybe I'm not ready to move it. Um, but anyway, that is all we have for you. Like I said, next week, Alan Saturday, DFW Royalty will be joining us as we talk about his Carolina Panthers and the teams in the NFC South and kind of the dynasty implications of this offseason. Make sure you go back and check out our, our featured prospect shows. We did the IDP one yesterday. Quarterbacks, tight ends, and offensive line a couple of weeks back. So those are those are on the docket. They're over at Blog Talk uh, as well. So Big thanks to Sharona for joining us this, this week. Um, always, always good to have one of those ladies from NFL Female come aboard because they they know their stuff and we we appreciate what they do. Uh, Nick, have a great week, bud, and we will talk to you, Alan, next week.
All right, sounds good. Have fun, Josh. I can throw a football over the mountains.